from the trailer park, one's from the farm. Rings on their fingers, no babies on their arms. Taking life with a grain of salt and lie. Living, loving, laughing, we're having a good time. Nothing too deep won't tell you how to vote. Two stand-up comics with stories from the road. We're cutting up. All right, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the We're Having a Good Time podcast. My name's Dusty Slay, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Hannah Hogan. Hi, it's me, lovely Hannah. All right, and we are back with another edition of the We're Having a Good Time podcast, How to Become a Comic, Um, and this is week nine. Wow, season two. And this episode is going to be quitting your job and doing comedy full time. Whoa. Uh, and, and and I don't know. I can't tell you how to do it. I can't tell you how to make this happen. Um, it's going to be different for everyone. But what I, I do want to get across in this episode is it, it is a necessary thing. It needs to happen. If you're going to be a comedian, at some point you have to decide this is going to be my job. And uh, you got to, you know, because... Making it your job forces you to work hard enough to make the money you need to pay your bills, and it forces you to get better at comedy. Uh, so I'm going to go through that. I'm going to share my story, and me and Hannah will share some thoughts. But first, where we've been, where we're going. Where we've been, where we're going. Where they gone. Where they been. Where they gone. Where, where they been. Where we've been. This weekend, we were in uh, Springfield, Missouri at the Blue Room Comedy Club. Great time. This is our. I went with you. Yes, you did. This is, uh, and Aaron Weber went as the feature, and then we had a host, local guy there in Springfield, Caleb Don Smith. Very funny. Uh, We had fantastic shows. Uh, First show on Friday, almost sold out. Second, first show Saturday, sold out, packed out. People turned away. Second show Saturday, almost sold out again. So feels very good. I had some big crowds, and I feel pumped about it. I'm excited. I'm excited for you. And I did some radio there, and you know, and we just had a great time in Springfield. Shout out to Chris. I mean, Chris has really built that place up in in a really impressive way. When I moved down here three years ago, you know, we went there, and it was just kind of this. This room in the back of a bar or actually at the front of a bar and, you know, and now it, it looks amazing inside. He's just totally put his heart and soul into it and you can really tell. Every time I go back, it gets better. It's better every time. He's working so hard. He's making it happen. He's bringing in great lineups. People should be going there. I mean, because the comedy club is, is, is jumping. Um, it's, you know, it's inside a pool hall. But it's a completely separate room, and what he's done, I went there very early on, like four years ago, before it was what it is now. He's done so much. He's completely transformed the place. I don't even think people in Springfield, most of them really realize what he's done to that place. Yeah. It's unbelievable. You need to recognize. He's bringing in nationally. 
I mean, people throw the word nationally touring headliner around so much that it doesn't really mean anything. He's bringing in big time people. Yeah, he gets it. Like he, well, and not necessarily like big time. He's not bringing in like Louis C.K. or something like that. But he's bringing in like people like you, Dusty, who are like peers, but people on the finger with their people with their pulse on the finger. What is it? Their finger Finger on the pulse. pulse, Yeah, he's bringing in Joe Mackey. Yeah, uh, bringing in Mark Norman. He's brought Orlando Leba. Yeah, Orlando Leba's coming next week. Andy Letterman. She's like a girl code person like he cares about bringing cool people i think for lack of a better word he's bringing in cool people like you know a lot of like midwest or just like middle of the country you know you can just get you can just hire a booker and then just book road comics now i'm a road comic there's nothing wrong with being a road comic but you know it's it it does your club a disservice because regular audience people want credits they want that comedy central cc on the poster they want that late night thing like you have to have you know these credits to pull people in and he's really like putting money down to bring these people in you know and i think it's cool yeah and he's also um you know he also uh, you know previous times i've been there years ago he would put you in like his mom's basement or some weird apartment that we're not even sure if we really had access to. But now he's got a nice hotel that he puts you in. Yeah. And uh, so he's really doing a lot there. It's great. We loved it. We had a great time. And uh, can't say enough about it. Yeah. And he treated us well. He took us to some restaurants, did some things. We'll talk about those in our later segments. Uh, next, where we're going this weekend. Today's Sunday. We're here on a Sunday night. We just got in today from a long day of travel, and we're leaving out early in the morning because I'm doing a gig all week next week in, I think it's Seven Springs, Seven Mountain Springs. Or, it doesn't matter. It's a corporate gig. No one's allowed to go. But it's a resort in Pennsylvania, and I'm very excited. We're flying early in the morning, and I'll be there uh, through the week. Yeah, I'm and very excited. Hannah's going with me. We're going to spend a week in resort. Hopefully, Resort Dusty will make an appearance. Yeah, and I mean, some of the longtime listeners are probably thinking, well, what's going on with Hannah? Like, she she was always doing comedy, and she'd be talking about where she was and where she's going. And now she's not doing that anymore. I'm retired. I've retired from comedy. Hannah, she gone, she gone, gone, gone. Um, and now I'm just, uh, I'm getting my degree in MRS. Mrs.? Yeah. Okay, I like that. My other married friend said that one time, and I'm like, I like that. I'm probably going to use that. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, well, you know, I mean, who knows what's going to happen with Hannah in comedy, but right now she's taking a break, and, um, so she's just traveling with me some, and, uh. We're having a great time. Tomorrow Tomorrow we're going to head to a resort. Yeah. I mean, I'll have to do work. I'll have to do comedy. But uh, she'll get to hang out and chill and probably get some pedicures, manicures, maybe lay back in a hot tub. Who knows? It's incredible. I, I feel so stressed all the time, yet I'm not doing anything. It's it's a, it's a weird life I live. Yeah. So that's it. So that's, that's what it is. That's why we're doing this because this podcast will probably still come out on Wednesday. We'll load it up then. But we, we, we want to go ahead and record it. And um, – and, we're excited. So that's where we've been, where we're going. We're on the road again. Hen and Dusty are on the road again. Telling super funny jokes to all their friends. Hen and Dusty are on the road again. Yeah! Springfield this weekend was the Route 66 Festival. So Springfield is located on Route 66. It was one of the original places of the highway, I think. 
And so they brought in, they had a festival uh, celebrating it, and they brought in cars, old cars, uh, and it, the place was jam-packed. I mean, it was a it was a bit like a, a, a what do you call it, um, state fair, but without any rides. You know, there was like just a bunch of cars. They had a parade of old cars. There's a bunch of blue-collar people with their shiny cars. Yeah, and uh, I loved it. I, I really enjoyed it. And I thought it was fun. I don't care at all about cars. Sure, I'd like to own a few of those cars. Uh, but I don't care about looking at them. But I did do a video of it. Again, I always say this, but I have so much video that needs to be edited. The Pittsburgh video is still not complete. But we're going to be at this resort pretty close to Pittsburgh. Maybe we'll do some videos, make a combination, combine the two. Uh, well, we'd have to do your green screen here. No, 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 we won't release it yet, but, oh, okay. uh, but maybe we'll take some video while we're there. I got you. But, um, you know, I don't know. we got a lot to come out, uh, but I appreciate the people who have been watching my videos, and I appreciate any new listeners to the podcast. I've really been pushing the podcast at shows, and if you're new to this, welcome. Uh, normally, I don't know. I was going to say normally we would try to be funnier, but I don't know. We're very tired today, and uh, we don't mean to complain about being tired, but uh, it's been a long day. Yeah. And... Uh, So then food on the road, uh, we went to a few places, but, uh, you know, the, the problem is I'm still not eating a lot right now. So, well, like we went to an Asian restaurant one night there and, uh, the first night and Hannah got like some orange chicken, a bunch of vegetables, very delicious looking. And I had a little bowl of rice and, uh, and then we, uh, we did go to a place. What was that place called? Uh, the civil. Yeah. And I had some salmon. And some vegetables. That was that actually was delicious. I got like a falafel. Really sandwich. delicious. Uh, Springfield actually has a lot of pretty good restaurants. I mean, a lot of really good restaurants. And then we yeah. went to a place. Where did we go yesterday? What was that place called? Grad. The grad school. school. Grad school. Yeah, they were like, that was like hardcore, like punk restaurant. Like it was small. They were jamming Ace, uh, Van Halen the whole time. Everybody had lots of tattoos, but the food was really good. It was good. It seemed like we should have been there at like 2 a.m., though. That seems like the kind of place where people go when they're hammered. Yeah, I didn't want to say because I felt like I just seemed like an old person, but I wanted to be like, hey, can you turn the music down? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, yeah. and then uh, and then I went to a Mudhouse Coffee, which I like there. I've been there several times. had a smoothie there. So that's it. Food on the road. And just now, in case you were wondering, every single meal we ate this weekend, well, you know, we'll let just, you know. Well, I just like to give a shout out to these restaurants. We had a good time. We enjoyed it. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you're living in Springfield, go check these places out. Yeah. Why not? And then we had a car fight. Car fight. Yeah, we had a car fight. Um, we haven't done a car fight segment in a while. It's no. not as good as the original one. Well, how do we know? I mean, it's all about the telling of it. Well, well, this is what happened. We're riding down the road. We're making really good time. We're so, on our way to Springfield. Yeah, we're 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 making really good time. Uh, I'm just, you know, we're, we're we had some stuff to do early on Thursday morning, but we wanted to try to make it to the open mic there so we could do some sets and just, you know, kind of hang out in the city. And we, uh, so we're like, all right, we're we're making really good time. We're and then and it's I was, me, Aaron, and Dusty. Yeah, and I was bragging about how good a time we were making. I was like, we're we're doing it. Yeah, you're like, wow, we've cut twenty minutes off our time, and we've made three stops. Yeah, how did we do that? And then all of a sudden, I get pulled over. Yeah, we we were able to do that because Dusty was probably speeding the whole time. 
Now, I've been pulled over lots of times, but I, I feel like I've been pretty good at talking to the police, right? Like, I don't hate policemen, right? So when they pull me over, I'm not mad. Most of the time, I'm like, yeah, I'm doing something wrong. That's why he's pulling me over. So I'm usually, you know, pretty jokey, and I try to make jokes with him. And, and this guy seemed pretty nice, but uh, he still gave me the ticket. Yeah. And I wasn't happy about it. But, you know, I said I appreciate it. And, uh, you know... And he went on about his way. I mean, I'm just, I'm always just happy they just give me the ticket. You know, I don't want to be harassed. I'm always just happy with the ticket. I mean, everybody in there, we all had, you know, me and Aaron have beards and trucker hats, and Hannah was back there with a hat on. And, you know, I don't know. You didn't have a hat on. It didn't matter. I did have a hat on. Did you? Yeah. But, you know, he was nice, and he told me, give me a number to call. Said I might be able to get that knocked down a bit. So that'd be nice. I didn't see the price of it, I didn't even look. I'm going to address that later but i was going pretty fast so then later uh we're going down the road and i'm speeding again i you know the speed limits are changing i'm kind of on back roads and the speed limit up down up down i'm changing and then all of a sudden we pass by another cop and i'm like oh no and hannah goes are you she's in the back seat she goes are you getting pulled over and i was like i don't know yet and then she's like up got her head in the back window just looking at the cop and i'm like don't turn around don't turn around because and she keeps turning around and i'm like don't turn around because but this is how you said don't turn around don't you dare turn around well i didn't don't say turn around woman well, I, you know i might have had the tone but I, I wasn't saying those things because when I was younger, me and all my buddies were riding down the road, and we probably were doing something wrong. And we passed a cop. There was probably five of us in my. I had a. I had a 1984 red Bronco too, and we got pulled. We got. We passed a cop, and then all all four of the people in the car are turning around, looking out the back glass. And the cop pulls us over, and he goes, "Well, I wasn't going to pull you over, but the reason I did is because you were all looking out back." Is like. It seems suspicious when you're doing that. So that's what I was telling Hannah. I was like, don't be looking back there. Well, in my defense, though, um, once you passed the police car and we kept driving forward, several, several seconds went by, like probably like 15 seconds, right? So I knew that turning around, there was going to be plenty of space between us and the possible car, police car that was pulling out to follow us. So I turned around, and there was no police car behind us. You know, maybe a half mile behind us was other cars. Right, but I'm driving. I can't look around behind, so I'm like, just don't turn around. Just don't. And she keeps turning around. But, I mean, just And then think, she got so upset with me. Well, I, I actually didn't, actually. But I mean, because you're just you're just so forceful, and and I bet Aaron was thinking, oh man, I wonder what it's like to live with Dusty, just always being yelled at. Yeah, I bet that's what just, he was thinking. Just, <laughs> just this domineering man over this sweet, sweet, serene woman. I bet that's exactly what he was thinking. Okay. How does she do it? <laughs> yeah. How does she? Do that's it? how. That's what I ask myself in moments like that, like. One of these days, I'm going. I'm going to stand up for myself. I ain't going to let him yell at me like that in and front of people. On the way back today, she gets mad at me because I keep driving over those strips on the side of the road that go wah when you run, like because you run off the road a little bit. And I'm like, hey, do you do we want to go into this? Do we want to go into your road rage and your and you're just 
irresponsible well, driving. Well, all I was doing was texting. Well, <laughs> and, uh, well, I, here's the thing. Everybody that rides with you says that you're that you scare them. And several times you're running off the road because you're texting. Only one time I ran off the road texting. The other times I just ran off the road looking at but stuff. But it is so ridiculous that you freak out on me for freaking out on you about being a bad driver, considering that my family got in an accident when I was a kid. And it's like they died. Don't bring that in. Well, but the, but I have to bring it in because it's just Don't like you, you act like... <laughs> You yeah, that's bring, what you say to me. Like, can't bring don't bring it in. It's like, dude, it's in all the time. It's brought in every everything that we do. And so it's like he's just driving erratically and texting and driving and just doing all these terrible things when he's driving. I'm like, stop all doing these, these terrible stop, things. Stop putting our life in danger. And you're like, yeah, you're just being a baby. I'm like, but my family. I don't say that. I say, oh, but my family was in an accident. You're like, ah, quit bringing that up. <laughs> I don't say that. That like is, that you either. just said it. No. You just said, don't bring it in. Well, you're bringing it into a different argument here. I'm not. But you make it seem like I'm so mean about it. I'm just saying, you can't bring that into everything. I can bring it in when it it, it exactly pertains to to the situation at hand. Yeah, but it doesn't exactly pertain. It does. I'm sensitive about bad drivers. I'm sensitive about running off the road. But I'm not a bad driver. Dusty, texting and driving is definitely bad driving. Yeah, but I etiquette. did that one time, and I had a, my sister had sent me a coupon. I needed to respond to it. Dude, you were trying to check into your airplane today well, driving. I, I did check into it. I know. You wild. Somebody's got to do it. You're not going to check into the plane, plane for us. I've done so much for you this weekend. <laughs> I cleaned up your hotel room while you were yeah. doing shows. <laughs> yeah. Well, wow. Wow. <laughs> That's literally all I did. I know. I know. That's what I'm saying. Somebody's got to check into these dang airlines. God. Somebody's got to get us on a plane tomorrow. Yeah, all right. So that's going to be me. Well, that's our car fight. So I told you it wasn't as good. Yeah. It's not as good. That one that we had, I mean, that other one was a real fight. That was an actual fight. But well, I bet we probably would have fought more if Aaron wasn't in the car. The problem with the segment now is we started this car fight segment, and then I... I've started to fly more. I fly yeah. a lot of places, so we're not in the car as much. And also, honestly, we don't fight as much yeah. as we used to. So yeah, we've just given up. Now that Hannah doesn't do comedy with me, we there's less tension in the car. Yeah, you know. And I've also grown as a as an individual. That is true. And you've also learned to stop being so cruel to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I Which have. helps. I have. Which helps. We're all learning here. Yeah. And so that is. Uh, all of that, I feel like that was very good, what we just did. Sure. Now, I, I like to brag on, on our, how we're doing Damn, on our that podcast. Was a, that, yeah. mm, that podcast was good, yeah. baby. Yeah. Ooh. That was good. Ooh. Right. Advice. Advice. to Cummings. All right, so this is week nine. Quitting your job. I... Already, I can tell that I can't write. I quit. I wrote "quitting you job," <laughs> "quitting you job" in the title. I left. I misspelled a thing. Week nine. I proofread that too, so I don't even catch that. Week nine, season two. Quitting your job, full time comedy. Hopefully, at this point, you have started to get booked enough to realize that your job is getting in the way of your comedy. 
At some point, you will have to decide that comedy will become your job. You probably won't be able to justify it financially or logically. If you ask your friends, your friends who have steady jobs with salaries, 401ks, and health insurance, they'll tell you that you're crazy to quit your job. And those friends are correct. But hey, why not be a little crazy? There's a couple of scenarios that I think, and I wrote this, but I'm going to just tell you my, my, my thought process while writing, but these are a few scenarios not to quit your job. First, if you are the breadwinner of your family and going full-time comedy will make it so that you can't pay your bills, don't do it, Okay. And, in fact, that's the only scenario I'm going to give because you're going to have to figure it out. I can't figure it out for you. I can't figure out what's best for you and your family to quit your job. But if you're like – I know people now. I know some people. They're they're, they're married. they got kids. They're ready to go do comedy, and they want to quit their job. And it's like you got to think about your family. If you have health insurance with your job and all your kids need to go to the dentist and the doctor and all those sorts of things – don't quit your job. Comedy is not going to be your career, at least not until they go to college. Yeah, it's not inspiring to follow your dreams if little Timmy doesn't have new shoes to wear at school. Right. And also, you know, the thing that as I've tried to point out with all of these other weeks leading up to this. Now, as I always say, from week eight to week nine could be quite a while. You know, it could be quite a long time. But um, you know, you, uh, I lost my train of thought there. I'm going to stick to the thing, but it could be a long time. So it's like, you know, you, you got to decide what's best for you, what's best for the people around you and, um, you know, build up to it. You may not have to quit right away, but at some point you will have to quit if you're going to be a full-time comedian. When I took the plunge, I was single and I had zero debt, but I did it in steps. First, I had a job where I was making about 42000 a year after taxes. To me, that was great. Now, to other people, that might not be a lot of money. I don't know. But to me at the time, that was wonderful money. I was living quite well. Um, I had health insurance, um, and I had planned to quit this job for a year, two years if I'm being honest. I planned to quit it the year before, and then I got a new boss, and I loved that new boss. So I was like, you know what? I'll stick around. And... I got I got a so before I quit though in that year I got a health checkup I got all dental work I'm going to share a secret with you I didn't go to the dentist a lot I went to the dentist the dentist told me I had ten cavities I got those all feel, filled while I had health insurance uh, and I got new glasses I went to see the eye doctor I got renewed on my glasses I had two sets of glasses I was ready to go I saved money and then I almost didn't do it. My car payment and my car insurance was expensive, and I couldn't figure out how I would do it. I couldn't figure out how how I would quit the job and still make the car payment. I was kind of freaking out about it. I was stressed because I I want to quit this job. I'm ready to do some other things. Uh, But then out of nowhere, I quit drinking, and I quit smoking cigarettes, and within two weeks, I figured it out. Basically, I laid out a budget, and, uh, and I figured, hey, I'll sell my car. I lived downtown Charleston so I could walk everywhere I needed to go. My old job, Hyman Seafood, might give me my job back, and they were also downtown. The open mic that I hosted at Big Gun Burger was downtown, and Theater 99, where I performed improv and stand-up, was also downtown. If I quit the job, I didn't need the car. I went and I talked to Hyman's. They said I could have my job back. 
So I took the job, right? <laughs> so now here we are. I love it when Dustin makes plans. Well, here I am, right? I'm at this place, right, where I, I had I had so much money I was paying on 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 drink taps every week. I mean, who knows how much money I was spending uh, every week on on alcohol and then on cigarettes. I was smoking a pack a day. Then I was eating out every meal. And then I had a bunch of wrecks, so my car insurance was expensive. And then I had this car payment that I was never going to pay off. I was never going to get it paid off. So I was like, I was in a, I was in a bind, and I was like, I got to free myself of all this. And in order to take a new, uh, a new venture in life, I got to free myself of this. And I had to do it in steps. It took steps. So the reason this is important is because I did all this before I decided to go full time comedy. This is still years away. But I'm making these plans. I'm preparing myself, right? So I posted that my car was for sale, and I turned in my two-week notice. And man, was that a glorious two weeks notice. I'm going to tell you, when I worked at uh, uh, the, the pesticide company that I worked for, I sold – I had 32 stores. And in each of those stores, I had three managers that I had to report to. And then I had my own manager, my own uh, manager above him, and then manager above him. I don't know the math. Three times 32, what is that, 98 plus another three? That means I had 101 managers uh, that I would report to. Maybe not every day, definitely not every day, but maybe every week I would be encountering these people. I would be, because they were managers of the store, and I was just like, I would just, everybody, I was always, always walking around trying to get permission from somebody to do something. And I was also hungover and smoked a lot of cigarettes. You know what I mean? I wasn't feeling good. And so when I put in that two-week notice, it was like, boom! You know, what I would do in these stores is I would go around and I would set up displays on the aisle. And I would always fight with the other employees. So the 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 competing pesticide company would come in tear all my displays down and then they would put their displays up and then i would come in and i would tear theirs down and i would put all mine up and then we would do that back and forth and then the manager would come in and yell at me never the other guys they always yelled at me because i work for the smaller company so one day i'm at this lowe's on james island out, out in charleston south carolina and i had moved all the competitors displays to a different aisle and moved all mine on the aisle and the manager came onto the aisle. He got mad at me about it. He started yelling at me about it. And I was trying to explain to him why I did what I did. Because also in the stores, there would be a plan. The, the corporate office would send down a plan and say, you got to set these certain things on the aisle. And that, that week, those things were mine, right? This is not making a lot of sense. I get it. But I was trying to explain to the manager. And he said to me in, a, in, in the most condescending tone you can say, he goes, the conversation is finished. And I was like, oh, I was like, well, I don't care because I'm about to quit. So you can just throw all them in the trash can if you want to. And it was the greatest thing that ever had come out of my mouth. I was like, I don't care. I'm about to quit. And Is then that he, how you quit? No, I had already put in my two-week notice. Oh. He just didn't know. He didn't know that I was quitting because only my company knew. Uh-huh. And he was like, his attitude changed like that. He was like, Oh, you're quitting, huh? Where are you going? You know, and he suddenly wanted to be my friend. And it was great because everywhere I went, people would try to the same people that could come and yell at me, I was like, Hey, I'm about to quit. And then one day I was teaching a class because I was still doing my job. 
but I was doing it in style. So I was still doing my job, and I was teaching a class to all the other employees of the Lowe's in the area. They were all on the pesticide aisle, and I was talking to them about the pesticides. And one guy kept challenging me on products. He kept being like, I don't think that does what you're saying that it does. And I was like, you know what? I don't care. I'm about to quit. And <laughs> and he goes, oh, that's the attitude, huh? And I was like, yeah, yeah, it is. I was like, I don't know what to tell you, man. I'm trying to do my job here, and you keep yelling out. But I'm about to quit, so it don't matter. And then so I ended up selling my car. Now, my car actually cost me money because I owed so much more on my car than what it was worth because I put a bunch of miles on it. A lot of stuff happened. So I uh, ended up having to pay like $2,000 to sell my car. That's how much I owed on it. But so, But I sold the car three days before uh, – my two weeks notice was done. So I rented a car just so I could finish the two week notice. And man, I loved it. When I, when I dropped, on the day I dropped that rental car off, it was a Friday and I dropped it off downtown and I walked from that rental car place, jobless, carless. And it was the greatest I'd ever felt in my whole life. I was like, I am free of debt I am free of the old bosses from the pesticide company. I am free. My life was glowing. You couldn't have, you couldn't have, you, they, people could have pulled over and beat me up on the sidewalk and I would have got up and still been happy. You were free from addiction. I was free. Yes, I was free from alcohol. I was free from cigarettes. I was free from the debt. Ah, gosh, it was a glorious feeling. I was, I mean, I, and then on Monday, that was Friday. I had two days off. Monday, I was back at work at Hyman's. And I felt great. I was the happiest person in the restaurant. It was amazing. Because I had to be at work at around 8 o'clock for the pesticide thing and 10 at Hyman's. So I'm strolling down Meeting Street. I'm strolling down King Street there in Hyman's. Uh, no one's around. I got a Starbucks coffee. I'm feeling good. I'm way early. I'm feeling great. I mean, it's amazing. I can't tell you how that felt. And that that I got that feeling because of my planning and the, and, the, and the effort that I had put forth to do the thing that I wanted to do. I was, I was set on doing comedy. I knew that I wasn't going to be a full-time comedian right away, but I was setting myself up to make that transition, right? So I only worked three days a week at Hyman's. I worked three shifts, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, daytime. That's all I did. And then on Tuesday nights, I hosted trivia, Thursday nights I hosted trivia, and then on Wednesday I hosted an open mic, and then I would do uh, improv every Wednesday, and then I uh, would do a once-a-month show at Theater 99. All of these things I was making money at. So I'd make a little money. I wasn't getting rich, but I'd make a little money, and I was also getting lots of stage time. Trivia helped me um, get comfortable uh, talking in front of people that didn't want me to be there. Uh, They only wanted me to read the questions. They didn't care about me. And some of them did, but most of them didn't. And hosting the open mic helped me so much. Doing improv helped me. And and hosting my own monthly show helped me. All of these things helped me, and I was getting stage time. Lots and lots of stage time, just all the much as I could, doing other open mics. And I did this for two years. Sober. Okay. That's a beautiful story. I like that story. In t- I like the story of... You know, freedom. Yes. This was 2012. Now, 2012, um, I quit 
is when I quit the job. It's when I quit drinking. That's when I quit the job. That's when that's when everything turned around. The end of now, I was still doing well at comedy, and that's what prompted me to want to do all this. At the end of 2011, I won the Charleston stand-up comedy competition for my first time. It's my first time winning, and I won by two votes. I barely won, but I did win, and it was great. By the end of 2012, I won that competition again for the second time. This time, I won by lots of votes. And that's only because I was so focused. I was so focused on doing comedy. I didn't have all these other distractions around me. I wasn't – because as, as much fun as I had uh, doing comedy and then getting drunk with my buddies, uh, you know, at the end of the day, sometimes I would do my jokes. I wasn't filming them because I was drinking, and I would forget whatever riff, whatever fun riff I had, I would forget. Or the riff wouldn't be as good because, you you know, you can't – some people try to get that level of drunk every time. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, I was this level of drunk. I had two beers and a shot of whiskey, and I was the funniest I ever been. Uh, now, every show I want to do two beers and a shot of whiskey, right? But it never works that way. You never can get it. To right to that place. So sobriety is the only place that you can count on to be basically the same place every time. Also, I had a musician tell me one time, he said, I like to drink. He said, I'm a big fan of drinking. He said, I like weed. He said, but I don't like to do either of those things before a show because the high that I get after a show is so good that even one beer kills that for me. And I agree. I mean, the high that I get from doing comedy, I still get it. Now, it's, it's, almost, it's like a drug in that it takes more to do it. Like it used to be a successful open mic would give me a buzz, but now it takes more, but it's still there. It still exists. So I did that for two years, 2012 to 2014. In 2014, I decided to move to Nashville to work the road due to location. I had had conversations with several people, uh, one of them being Keith Alberstadt. Keith Alberstadt is a friend of mine. And I met him in New York in 2013, same time that I met my wife, Hannah Hogan. Hi, that's me. And um, But I met Keith at a coffee shop, and uh, it was set up, uh, uh, you know, his manager set it up, and, and we met together, and um, Keith just sat and talked to me. And I was very happy. Keith, you know, Keith's a very successful comic. He does the cellar, comedy cellar all the time. He's always doing all the big rooms in New York. And... Uh, he just told me what he did. He grew up in Nashville, so his comedy, when he started comedy, he was like, there were so many um, clubs around me driving distance that I would just drive to, to work guest spots and to do different things to get myself you know, on the road where I needed to be. The same type of stuff that I've been talking about throughout this podcast series is you know, uh, a plan that Keith Alberstadt shared with me, and it really served me well. So that's why I moved to Nashville. Now, there are a lot of other lo- locations that are good for this. I think Chicago is a great location for this. I think Chicago is a good city because, you know, you got a lot of good comedy clubs there, but also you can still drive to places fairly quickly. I think Indianapolis is a good centrally located city. There's several, um, but, you know, I like Nashville. I love country music. You know what I mean? What can I say? So... When I moved back, when I moved to Nashville, I, obviously I quit Hyman's, and I took a part-time job back with the pesticide company. It felt I felt a little bit like I was going backwards. I was worried, but I only took I took a seasonal position, 
the seasonal, and it was my plan that the seasonal would last for about three months, and my plan was to be full-time by the time that job was over. Now, an important detail here, and I, I noted this because I was going to try to read it before talking about moving to Nashville, but it doesn't matter. Important detail, the two years that I spent in Charleston not drinking, I saved money, and I rode a bike everywhere. I just put money away, put money away. And before I left, I bought a car with cash. I had saved enough money to be able to buy. Now I had some savings still from working the pesticide job, but I had saved enough to buy a car cash. I bought a cheap car. Now I bought a Volvo, but I got a deal on it, and it had 100,000 miles. And and I uh, moved to Nashville, and I lived in one place for a little while, but before that seasonal job was over, I moved into an attic apartment for $250 a month. It was... It was the rat house. It was the rat house. Yes, it was the rat house. This house, uh, for those who haven't listened before, this house had six bedrooms in it. And I went to look at a room in the house that was $450. And then the girl that was showing me the house goes, we also have this room, uh, and it's available for $250. And the room was tiny. It was hot. It was, I mean, this is midsummer when I'm looking at it, and it's roasting in this room. And... uh, and I was like, I'll take that. I'll take that room. I want the $250 room. And the stuff that I brought, I mean, to get my, I had a queen-size mattress. To get the box spring up the stairs, I had to saw the mattress. I had to saw the wood on the mattress or the, or the box spring and fold it and take it up the stairs and then unfold it again and put my mattress back on top of it. But it worked. I mean, I got it up there. And uh, and I had that bed thanks to my friend Derek Humphrey, a mattress that, a bed that I had for a long time. And uh, because I am making sacrifices, I'm not buying things. I'm not going. I still to this day I'm not going out making expensive purchases. I mean, Hannah uh, it says I buy a lot off Amazon, but I buy uh, eight to ten dollar movies off Amazon, and we watch them and enjoy them. But this house. Uh, was just giant. I mean, it shared a kitchen, and, and but it was a giant house, and it had a lot of rats in it, which, uh, you know, we, we eventually caught a bunch of them on some glue traps. And uh, But Han- that was the last straw for Hannah. And uh, No, that wasn't the last straw. That wasn't the last straw. I was straw. actually fine with the rats for some <laughs> weird reason. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was a roommate. But we have... Crazy roommate. We have some other... The crazy eyes. We have some other podcasts. We have, a like, one of our second... Our third podcast, maybe even the first one, who knows, is all about the rat house. Yeah. And then we have crazy roommate stories, and we have, you know, one about that roommate. It's early on. But, uh, all right, so back to this. So I had, this is 2014, I had no car payment, and I would spend the next four years driving all over the country. I took that car from 100,000 miles to 317,000 miles. Um, I did all the things that I've talked about in this podcast. My life became comedy. I would go anywhere and everywhere doing comedy. When I wasn't on the road, I was at the open mic scene in Nashville working on jokes. Uh, he came up to Canada to get me. Yeah. When I, in that car, that's right. When I was in Charleston, there wasn't a lot of open mics. I made opportunities for myself. I would go, I went to a poetry open mic one time and I asked the guy, could I do comedy? He said, yeah. He said, we've had comics in the past that come here and they usually don't do very well, but I'll let you do it. And I did great because uh, I recognized the room and I was just nice to everyone. I didn't go up there cussing a bunch and yelling at everyone. I didn't do super gross bits. I just was nice to everyone and I did nice jokes and they ended up liking me and I would go there quite a bit. 
And so that's that's how I've always made. Uh, I used to try to open for my friends' bands, even though I'd, I would always bomb in front of them. It was good stage time. I kept my expenses super low, and I stayed dedicated to the craft, and I worked hard. There were times when I got really when it when it got really hard, and I considered uh, going and getting a job. But the job meant that I might not be able to spend two weeks on the road. Uh, any job gets in the way. But you have to do what you have to do. I'm not saying if you reach a point where you can't, you need a job, get it. You know, make sure you feed yourself. And if you're taking care of someone else, make sure you're taking care of them. But I, and the reason that I say this two weeks on the road type thing is it's like for me, I would put together runs on the road and I would reach out to people all the time. And sometimes people would reach out to me and say, hey, would you want to do a show here? Like say I'm going from, you know, Indianapolis back to Nashville and, and somebody in Louisville calls me and says, hey, uh, you want to do my show on Monday? Well, if I have a job, I can't go do my job and then come back and do this show. So I'm like, no, I don't want to do a job. I want to I want to do that gig. I mean, comedy is what I want to do. There's no other job that I want to do, and I want to find ways to make money as a comedian. And some ways are I recommend getting merch, uh, T-shirts, CDs, hats, stickers, pens, buttons, and sell them on the road. Uh, I would say if you're working a club, never – Sell them as the host or a guest spot. But when you do, when you feature or headline, always try to sell. Um, and I would say there is a little um, like uh, I think it's kind of a, some unspoken rules. Like that's the host and guest spot is kind of an unspoken rule that you don't sell merch. But you know, some people will ask. They'll go, "Well, I know I'm not supposed to, but I'll ask." Well, most comics, especially if you're me. Um, if you ask me, can you sell merch as a host, I'm going to say, yeah, I don't care, right? But I don't want you to. I just don't want to be rude to you about it. I'd rather you not. I mean, it's just like if the host, feature, and headliner are selling merch, we got a flea market out in the lobby, and then it's just overcomplicated, and it's just better. And even if you're a feature, always ask the headliner. Uh, I've only had one person tell me no, and I've only had one person give me a hard time about it. And I talked about that one, and we made up. But one guy really gave me a hard time. And uh, But other than that, it's been fine. And as a headliner, it's your show. You sell whatever you want. And, and you also make a lot of money. I can't. I can't. Sometimes I do make a lot of money selling merch. I mean, it's it's really amazing. And I and I say this too: don't guilt the audience into buying your merch. I've seen people do this. Oh, I'm just trying to make it home. I'm just trying to make it home. Oh, I'm donating this to teacher. You know, whatever. You do whatever you want to do. But my advice is: be funny and have good merch, and people will buy it. Have fun stuff. Try to make cool, fun things that you think people want to buy. Don't make something that you're ashamed of. And both of my shirts are based off jokes that I have. But advice that I was given was try to make merchandise that doesn't have anything to do with your jokes. That way it's funny on its own. That way you're not stuck to a joke. And I get that logic, but I couldn't figure it out. So I made shirts uh, basically – around jokes that I have, but also are, are funny and look good. Try to find a good merch person. There's always people that print stuff, and it could be an expensive investment for you to, to buy a batch of shirts. But keep- I think the advice they give is don't write a joke on a shirt. Like that don't have your shirt have the phys- like the actual words on oh, it. Yeah. Well, that's good advice too. But you know what? There is, I don't think there's any clear thing with that because it's like, uh, a lot of people. I've seen some. I've seen people on the road with really terrible shirts, 
and they sell a ton of oh, them. Oh, yeah. So it's like, it's, it's it, you know, so it's all about, you know, managing. I mean, you, you know, when you're talking about going into full-time comedy, you're looking at the business side of comedy. Now, again, if you live in New York and L.A., I don't know. I don't know how to go full-time from those places. But if you're out here working the road like me, um, this is how, how you want to do it. You want to treat it like a business. And, you know, so you buy a certain amount of shirts. Say you spend $500 on shirts. Uh, and then you sell them, and then you double your money. Well, make sure you save that money to reinvest in the shirts. Uh, you know, and that don't that way it's not a strain on you every time to buy new shirts. And then, uh, you know, this is basically. I mean, I've given you everything that you need to get here. Quitting your job is hard, but it's necessary. You must do it. There is no other way. I don't know. It's NASCAR out there right now. My friend, uh, a friend of mine, I don't, I don't want to tell his business, but a friend of mine still has his job. He's doing tons and tons of comedy, but he's able to work uh, his job remotely. So he, he's worked that out with his job because he still has health insurance, and he's like, I want to keep the job as long as I can, and he's doing really well with it. And, and I think if you can do that, do that by all means. Keep your health insurance. Keep all those things because all that stuff's expensive. And and there's different paths, too. I mean, it's like some people do hit the jackpot where, like, some amazing headliner will be like, I love you. I'm going to take you with me. And then they right. just, like, we have a friend who used to live in Nashville. And now he's just, like, an assistant to, like, a celebrity. Right. Uh, just from working with them at Zany's. So it's like, you know, there's weird things that can happen and that and they do happen. And it's not even an anomaly. I mean, it's – I think what what – what I notice is that hard work, perseverance, and a positive attitude f- helps you find that path. Whether your path is Dusty's path, where it was just sheer hard work, and then people started to finally notice him, or you get to go on the road with a really rich uh, comedian who just kind of takes care of you. You know, it's like there's different things that can happen, you know? Yeah, I mean, I didn't choose this path. I mean, I just wanted to do comedy, and, you know... It- at any point in my journey, if some headliner had been like, hey, let me take you on the road, do all my shows, I would have been like, yes, let's do it. But now from where I'm at looking back, I'm glad I didn't. I'm glad that didn't happen. I'm glad that I've made this journey on my own because I know all these steps. I know all the steps that I took. Yeah, and I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of success stories with, with people who become who become like the the opener for like a big headliner like a celebrity comedian, but I also can think of so many people who become the opener for headliners and it makes them so lazy because they're like, okay, you know, I've got like three quarters of my calendar full all year. I, you know, you don't, you've got guaranteed shows, you've got security, you've got money, you know, and it doesn't it doesn't make you like hustle, and it and I think I'm even just thinking of one person where it's like you don't even you don't even go do mics anymore. You're just kind of resting in in that, and um, yes, and so I sort of think that it's almost. I think a lot of people maybe get 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 sucked into that, and it's not necessarily a good thing. I mean, and this is something that Burt Kreischer told me the first time I ever worked with him. I wasn't even on the road with him. I was just at a club with him. 
and he had just met me, and he said, you know, if you're going to be working the road like this, you know, he said, it's important to always be writing new jokes because if you – he said what happens to so many road headliners is they get out there and they create an hour, and they have their hour. Their hour is really good, and they're out there working it. Their audiences are loving it. They're crushing it, and they do it for so long that when it comes time to write new jokes, they've stopped using that muscle – that they've built up to write jokes, and it's really hard to write those new jokes. So you need to always be working that muscle, no matter what. Be trying to create something new. Be trying to write something new. Keep your brain active. Keep the creativity flowing. Yeah, and you know the the the, the journey that we've described on this podcast is the road comic journey. Yes, you know if you want to know how to live and survive in L.A. and New York. Listen to those people's podcasts because th- those are people that came up through the ranks of L.A. and New York. Right, you know? and there are lots of great podcasts like that. I mean yeah. I just listened to one today. I didn't care for the podcast as much, but uh, Mark Norman was on the podcast. And you know his, his journey seems to be through New York City, and uh, I loved it. I mean I think he's an incredible comic, and just hearing that podcast was great. I'm not going to say the podcast now that I've said I don't care for it. But, but the uh, thing that, that was definitely the through line was Mark just sounds so obsessed with comedy. And it sounds like he's constantly doing sets and he's just always hustling. And I just – I know that there's tons of people that live in L.A. and New York and they they act like that's somehow the accomplishment. But then they just smoke weed five nights a week and maybe hit a show. I know tons of comics that – are too good for open mics and they just sit around wondering why they're not getting booked on all the best shows. And it's like, well, how hard are you really working? Yes. I mean, if you're too good for open mics and you're just sitting around waiting for people to book you, I mean, you're not working that system. Take advantage of living in those cities, man. I wish I lived in one of those cities where there's just like, Wait, what? Oh, like, I, I mean, like, you know, there's a lot of advantages to living in that city, there is, absolutely. you know, because in Nashville, I mean, we have, you know, two or three nights a week where there's no comedy shows. Right. On the weekends, it's basically just the clubs. So if you're not working the club that weekend, you, there's nothing else to do. Yeah. And when I was in New York this last time, I mean, I was I got to do uh, the stand uh, and the room next to the cellar and uh, Gotham. And I thought, man, you know what? It would be pretty nice to live here in New York and just bounce around and do these clubs. I mean, that would be really great. I know. I want that for you. But uh, I am very happy where I'm at, where I, what I'm doing. I mean, I'm doing so many shows. I mean, I did shows all last week. I did, I, I, uh, I did a guest spot on John Chris' show on Monday at Zany's, and then I did uh, the Grand Old Opry, which was fantastic. I don't know if I talked about that. Maybe we did on the last podcast, but it was amazing. So fun. And then I did my show at Zany's last week, uh, which was also incredible. I don't think I have talked about that. That was incredible. The show was packed out. I think it was the best show I've had at my show, my my best show at Zany's. I really think it was. It was a fantastic, fantastic time. And thank you to everyone that came out. If you also listen to the podcast, and uh, and then I did I did the open mic Thursday in Springfield. I did the open mic. You know what I mean? That's what, I was the headliner this weekend at the club, and I went in and did the open mic. I just think it's important to be doing comedy. And then I did three shows over the weekend, and then I'm back at it tomorrow. So it's like comedy, 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 comedy. If you want to do comedy, do comedy. And it's like you don't really do open mics anymore, Dusty. Like you don't – you're not working the local scene here in Nashville. No. And like, you know, Nate Bargatze lives in 
Nashville and so does John Chris and they don't do open mics to my knowledge. Like they'll pop in and do a spot at Zany's or something like that. So it's like, yeah, you get to a certain point, you don't need to be doing open mics anymore. But if you're not in demand at all and you just feel like you don't know why anything's happening for you, maybe you're rusty. Maybe go out, hit up a couple mics, show your face, let them know what's up. Yeah, absolutely. Get out there. Be seen. Don't be out of sight, out of mind. And I want to – and then that, I think that's it for this. But someone asked me over a text because last week we talked about sending emails and they asked what to put in the subject line, right? And I don't know. I mean I, I always had a hard time figuring out what to put in the subject line. But this is what I would always put. I would always say something like Nashville comic looking for work in whatever city. Nashville comic looking for some stage time. I just you know, I just felt like that was a – a way to because I lived in Nashville, I just felt like, hey, that's a I don't know. Did I don't, it work? Uh, well, I yeah, I mean, I I made it work on the road, so yeah. Well, that's how I feel. That's how I feel about emails and comedy videos. It's like, do you think this is a good video? And I'm like, it doesn't really matter what I think. If 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 people are booking you at festivals or bringing you into their club, then it's a good video. It means that they watched it and they liked it enough to give you a shot, and then. Yeah. If no one is responding to you, it's probably a hint that it's not good. And if no one's responding to your emails, maybe rethink how you write your emails. You know? Yeah. It's based on, like, how, how's it going for you, you know? All right. So that's it. We'll be riding wild five. That's it. That's it for that. So, what about uh, what about music? What do you got here? What do you got that you? Recommend? Oh, I like the Highway Women. Oh yes. Oh yeah, we were listening to a lot of country this weekend because, well, my husband's name is Dusty Slay, and that's what he does. He just listens to country music. He's a seventy-five-year-old man trapped in a, I don't know however old he is now, thirties, thirty-five. It's, it's the High Women, is what it's called. And it's High Women. High Women, yeah, because the the. The the men's group is the highway men, right? So this is the high women. Okay, so right? the song is redesigning women. Let's play it. Right. It's like the Judds, 2019. I don't think that at all. Old time living on a half-time schedule. Always trying to make everybody feel special. Learning when to break and when to hit the pedal. Working hard to look good till we die. I just love it. I mean, I, I think, love the Judds, and I think it's I like great. them. Uh, and they also had, I thought they had did Redesigning the song Man. Highwaymen, but maybe... Uh, I think you're wrong on that. No, I mean, I got it right here. It says the High Women. Oh, the it's high a, women. Well, it's a play off high, like highway men, high women. Oh, like yeah. it's a play off that they, the name of the high women. Okay. But what is this? The chain. That's their cover of it. Oh okay. Oh gosh, I love that song. Yeah, it's a good By song. Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, but you can't touch you can't touch rumors though. Yeah, let's not do it. 
And then, all right, so you got that one. I want to play uh, just a quick John Conley song. Uh, I listened to it today. Uh, I'd, I'd, I had um, had Aaron in the car on another trip, and he uh, didn't like a particular Tom Petty song that I like, and it was disappointing to me. It was sad. But he did like this one, and I love this one. It's called The Backside of 30 by John Conley. It may be one of the greatest country songs there is. I mean, it's, it's, oh. re- it's really incredible. I mean, it's classic country. I got to, I get to, I've, I've met John Conley now. I've hung out with John Conley a little bit at the Opry. And uh, uh, I think John Conley's my friend. I mean, he doesn't, I bet he doesn't say I'm his friend, but he's my friend. And uh, I like it. I like him, and it's incredible. I think that song is amazing. John, if you go and listen to John Conley, um, I would say listen to the, just the, uh, Rose Colored Glasses album is amazing. Um, but, um, oh man, I can't. John Conley Classics, that's a really great one. This song, right here, I'm just going to play a little bit. This is called She Can't Say That Anymore. And then we're going to wrap this up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just a, like this. So what? What's happening? Is she having an affair? Or is I think he? so. She is. 
So, you know, but she's like, the whole song is like, she says, I've never done this kind of thing before, but now it's like, she can't say that anymore. Uh, like she's, she crossed some lines, you know what I mean? Uh, but that, if you go John Connolly, Spotify, just classics, I mean, it is just loaded from, from the top to, to the bottom. I mean, it is just, just unbelievable. I mean. All right, well. Well, I can see you, you're fixing to get on a John Connolly. <laughs> yes. I mean, you, just, you just started freaking out. Another, no, I love John Connolly. I mean, we, can, we can play out this podcast with John Connolly. I'll be honest. I, I talk, I've listened to John Connolly so much. The first night I did the Opry, John Connolly was on it, and I was freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love it. I don't, I mean. This is the first I've heard of him today. Uh, well, I got a picture with him. I'll show you. Why don't you pick a song and we'll play out on it. All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening to the podcast, folks. Yeah, thank you. Uh, please go, you know, give us a rating, review, give us all positives. Don't, uh, don't uh, go like Dusty on his social medias. Yeah, I guess he's verified now. On I'm verified on Instagram. Yeah, we talked about it last week. It's really though, changed our dynamic. Yeah, I'm popular now. Eh. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking about getting on off social media altogether. Um, all right, so thank you very much. We appreciate you tuning in. Next week will be the final one. Now, I don't plan on ending. I plan on continuing a routine of talking about comedy. I've really been enjoying it. I've really been enjoying this process of writing each one out every week. Uh, this one wasn't written out as well as, as I normally do, but also uh, I, I, this one was really more – this is the next step. This is the next natural step is to become a full-time comic. And so my my next one is getting to the next level and headlining, but uh, and what to do and and what I think that how how that works as a, as a road guy and uh, how I think it best works based on what I've seen. And uh, I hope this has been helpful. I've gotten a lot of messages. I appreciate you sending me those messages. If I didn't respond, I'm sorry. I had a lot of messages coming in, and uh, sometimes I get tired of staring at my phone. But I appreciate it. Really, when did that happen? And uh, okay. Okay. And uh, car fights. And um, all right, so we're going to end with this John Connolly song. All right. As the maid poured wine and we prepared to dine, I knew I was feeling out of place at a table as large as a river bar. And I love you written all on your face. I appreciate your hospitality, but I wish that we would go. Let me drive us to McDonald's and I'll talk to you concerning something you should really know. I'm just a common man, drive a common van, my dog and